My name's Pete Milliken, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, yeah, just uh, so so privileged to be able to come and speak this morning on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I apologize to the, the child over there that um, doesn't want to hear me, but uh, for everyone else, I hope this morning, uh, as we open the Scriptures, that you'll be blessed by the resurrection of Jesus that we remember today. I want to... Um, start by telling you a story of uh, a conversation I had with one of my good friends. His name's Mick. He lives at the Sunshine Coast, and uh, he had a couple of weeks off work recently. He has a a unit there by the beach, and he invited me up and said, I've got a couple of weeks off work. Why don't you and Karen come up, and you can stay in my spare room here and, you know, have have some time at the coast. And uh, that sounded like a great idea, uh, but life got busy, and um, you know I've been preaching here uh, quite a bit, and we bought a house, and we're doing renovations on it, and so we're there every night, and life just got busy, and so I, I had to tell Mick no, so I rang him up, and I said, um, Mick's just, life's too busy at the moment, um, we're not going to be able to get up there, we're not going to be able to get to spend some time with you, and his response to me um, immediately was, well, uh, Peter, I'd like you to be the one that lowers my coffin into the grave when I die. I said, okay. And he's like, yes, so you can let me down one last time. <laughs> true story, true story. And uh, f- funerals are funny things because we go to them and we say all these things that we never would have said to the person when they were alive, right? Good and bad. And then we think, oh, why didn't I tell them when they're alive? Why did I wait until they were dead in the coffin before I said these things? And uh, sometimes, you know, there's some really funny things and sometimes there's some really sad things at funerals. Uh, If you were here Friday, it kind of felt like we had a bit of a funeral uh, for Jesus Christ as he died on the cross. It was a somber mood as we remembered his sacrifice for us. I was at a funeral a month ago uh, it was for a, a Church of Christ minister who had passed away. He was a good man. He loved people well. He preached the Scriptures faithfully. And uh, even then, there was some sad goodbyes as tears were shed, as the family talked about their, their dad and what he meant to them. And as I was sitting there, and maybe you can relate to this, you, you, start, to, you start to think about your own life. And it's like almost a taste of death gives you a little bit of a a reality check of, of life. And I started to think about, I wonder when, when my time's going to be up. And uh, what am I doing with my life that uh, when people come and speak at my funeral, what, what will they say? Maybe, maybe you've thought about that if you, as you have sat there at funerals because funerals are a reality because we're surrounded by death. And uh, you, you can tell uh, we're surrounded by death in, in all sorts of things. It's autumn at the moment. If you were to go look at the, some of the trees out there, you'd see that the leaves are dying and they're starting to fall to the ground. And uh, we call that autumn in the States where I've spent all the time. They call that fall, fall, not fall, fall. Because the leaves fall, Peter. And uh, we, we choose to choose, we, we'd like to see the color of the, the yellow and the orange. And it's, it's autumn. But over there, the leaves fall. So we've got that, that, that's happening around us. If, if you've grown up in Australia and there's been times in summer where there's been some drought and you've walked out in the backyard, you would have, you would have seen that the grass has turned brown and it's crusty under your feet because the grass is dying. It hasn't got enough water and there's too much heat and we're surrounded by death. 
many of you have had pets over the years, or you know people who have had pets, and, and they've died, uh, and it's really sad, and some of them just, you know, die from old age, or some of them get hit by a car, hopefully, you know, cats on purpose, just straight into them, off we go, you know, let's eradicate the cats, and uh, some of you need to hear that this morning. Cats aren't going to the kingdom. Cats are a result of the fall. But dogs, dogs, God created dogs to give us hope. And some of you have been to funerals recently, like me. Some of you have attended one. Some of you know someone who's died recently. We all know someone who has died at some stage. We've all been affected by death. We're surrounded by death, and yet no one wants to talk about it, right? For some reason, we're, it's not something that we like to talk about. It's not something that we, we want to think about. It's not something that, that we kind of bring up at the, the, the dinner table with the family or with friends and have a conversation about it, and yet it's all around us all the time. And the reality is, unless Christ returns, each one of us here is going to have to face it. Each one of us, at some stage, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, month, year, decade, I don't know. No one knows, but at some stage, you're going to have to face it. You're going to come face to face with death. And so I want to talk about it this morning. Because I know many of you are visiting and we're so glad that you're here. But if you're a regular here, I'm your pastor now whether you like it or not. And there's going to come a day where you're going to be, you're going to die. And I want you to be prepared for it. I want you to be ready for it. I want you to know what you should be thinking. I want you to know the truth. And maybe if you're visiting today, you just, you're scared of it. You know, you do not want to think about it, you do not want to know about it, you do not want to talk about it, and you've just put it off. And the problem with that is it's kind of like debt. It doesn't go away when you don't talk about it or you don't think about it. It's still there. You're just accumulating a problem and kicking it down the road. At some stage, we need to talk about it. And so today, we're going to talk about it because as Christians, we have good news we should be the ones that want to talk about it all the time. Not in a morbid way and just bring up death to our friends all the time, but we have a solution to the problem of death. That's good news. See, Jesus' resurrection gives us a solution to the problem that surrounds us. So I want you to remember, one day when it's your time, Easter Sunday, April 17, 2022, and Jesus' resurrection. You see, Jesus offers something that no religion, no worldview can match. See, today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's an event that changed the world forever. In a world that's surrounded by death, we found life. See, we're going to see today that there was a dead man who came back to life. There was a dead man on Friday, and now he's alive on Sunday. 
But to truly understand the resurrection, we can't just start there. We have, to truly understand the solution, we really have to understand the problem better. And so we have to go back and, and understand the problem. And the better we understand the problem, the better we can understand the solution of what resurrection means. We have to go back to the beginning. Because in the beginning, uh, there was a beautiful garden. God created this garden. He formed Adam and Eve out of the dust. And he placed them in this beautiful garden. In the, in the middle of the garden was a tree. It was called the tree of life. And God sustained eternal life there. And he puts Adam and Eve in the garden to tend the garden. And everything is right. God visits the garden. There's perfect peace in the garden. But Adam and Eve sin and consequences are fatal. Death comes into the world and God tells Adam in in chapter 3 and verse 19, this is what he says to Adam, out of the dust you came and to the dust you will return. And everything that Adam once knew is flipped on its head. Where there was once peace, there is now unrest. Where there was once provision, he will have to get through the, the sweat of his brow. And where there was God's presence, there is no longer. Where there is life, there is now death. But God doesn't just leave it there. He says to Adam, you're going to die, but there's one who will come from you who will bring life. And Adam's response to this is that he names his wife Eve. He waits till after the fall, there's a pronouncement of death, and then he calls his wife Eve. Because Eve means life. Because she is the mother of the living. You see, that's what Adam is looking for now. That is Adam's hope, that there would be one who would come, who would bring life. Because God escorts them out of the garden. They've opened a can of worms and, and they cannot put it back in. They have, to, they have to leave the garden and they cannot get back in. They walk away from the tree of life. And there is an angel that, that guards the garden so they cannot return. And so Adam's hope is that there would be one to come who can bring life. And the bad news and the problem keeps getting worse because Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that we are in Adam, or we were in Adam. And for all who are in Adam, die. See 15.22, it says, for as in Adam, all die. Paul says that, as Adam and Eve sinned, as they reached and grabbed the fruit and ate of it, your hand was there with theirs. When they died, you died. Their death was our death. It was a, it was a breaking of fellowship with God. And the, the mortality of physical life entered. Not convinced? Romans 5.12 says this, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Not, and we're not just subject to a physical death, but it's a spiritual death. We're, we're dead in our sins if we're in Adam. No hope on our own. On our own, we're hell-bound. 
Thanks a lot, Adam, right? But you would have done the same thing. That's what Paul's saying. We would have done the same thing that Adam did. And if you don't believe me, go from this place and never commit another sin. You won't be able to because we have this human flesh. And the curse continues into the next story. We've got Cain and he kills his brother Abel and Abel dies. And then there's this long list of the descendants of Adam and it talks about uh, who they are and how long they lived. And then over and over and over there is this phrase that's repeated and he died and he died and he died and he died. See, death's effects were terminal and lasting. Their hope was Adam's hope. There would be one to come who would bring life. And then Abraham comes along in the story, and he's the father of a great nation that we know as Israel. And he dies, and he has a son, Isaac, and he dies, and he has a son, Jacob, and he dies. And he has 12 sons, and they become the tribes of Israel, and guess what? They die. And the nation becomes large and numerous, and they uh, become enslaved by Egypt. And so God raises this new leader. His name's Moses, and he goes into Egypt, and uh, God performs these amazing miracles. And out of those miracles, Egypt lets them go, and they're delivered out of slavery. And God works great military victory and protection and provision, and maybe Moses is the one to bring life. And then he sins. And he dies. Are you getting the picture? All these men, all these people, they can do great things, great endeavors. But in the end, they end up in the same place, back to the dust. Death rules and death reigns. And this continues for centuries and centuries, and it's still going on today. You see, death was always the trump card of the devil. He always knew that if you didn't do what he, did, what he wanted you to, he just had to wait you out or get someone to take you out. See, this is what happens to Jesus. He doesn't give in to the temptations of the devil in the wilderness. And so what does Satan go to? I'll kill you. I will figure out how to get men to put you on a cross. It's always been the final threat, and, and we still see this final threat. If you don't believe me, go walk around a cemetery, and you'll see graves of hundreds and thousands who have tasted death. You'll see the power of death that Satan loves to wield. And all along the way, we're looking for the hope of Adam, who would bring life rather than death. But if he brought life, there'd be so many who were already gone, who were already died. Surely he would be too late. Then we have David. He expands the kingdom and Israel's borders are where they're meant to be. He's a mighty warrior. He's got a heart after God. Maybe he's the one to bring life. But then he sins. Many years after that, he dies. And so the whole Old Testament, we're looking for this one. We're looking for the one who can bring life. And he never shows up. And then there comes to earth this man named Jesus. And he lives a perfect life, the one neither of us could live. 
and he claims he's the one that brings life. And he goes around, he talks about life and how he can give us life. But then he goes to a cross and he dies. And we remember that on Friday, that Jesus takes our place on the cross, that he died for us. But that was Friday, and today is Sunday, and something happens on Sunday that changes the world. And it changes everything about the way that we see the world and the way that we can live. We're going to see in Matthew 28 that there was one who is dead, but is now alive. And just before we read the text, let me tell you what's happening here. Jesus has died on Friday. It's now Sunday. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the Marys are going to the tomb. And uh, <clears throat> there's a great earthquake on the way to the tomb. And they get to the tomb, and there's an angel sitting on the stone that's blocking the entrance to the tomb. And the women are in shock, obviously. And they get there. We pick it up in, in verse 5, Matthew chapter eight, chapter 28. In verse 5, but the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Okay, Friday, he was dead. He was put to death. Verse 6, he is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Now he is alive. The angel says, this is where he was. He was dead, but now he is not because he is alive. Verse 7, then, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Do you see that? There was one who was dead who is no longer. There is one who came back to life. That's never happened like that before. That's different. Have you ever been to a funeral and the deceased sits up out of the coffin and, and gets out and starts talking to the people? No. Why? Because dead people stay dead. This is unique. Jesus died on Friday, but he came back to life on Sunday. So what kind of resurrection is it? Because Mary and Mary are in for a, a big surprise. They're an even bigger shock. They're going to see Jesus alive. Verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took, his, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. They see him with their eyes. They took hold of his, of his feet with their hands. This is a physical, bodily resurrection. This isn't a ghost or a spirit. This is, this is physical. Jesus has his body back. See, Adam's hope of physical life being restored back in Genesis is realized in Jesus in Matthew. So what are the implications of this? What does it mean that Jesus was resurrected? I could spend years on this, but here's a few things that it means. Firstly, the payment for sin has been accepted in full. There is no longer a debt to be paid. 
God is completely satisfied with Christ's payment for sin. Secondly, there is one who can do something about death. This is the beginning of the death of death. Thirdly, everything that Jesus did and said is true. This is the ultimate confirmation that Jesus was telling the truth. If you can predict your own death and resurrection and then pull it off, you're worth listening to, right? Many people have predicted their death. Some have even predicted their resurrection, but they don't pull it off. If you can do that and you manage to be able to do it, Everything else you say and do is easy, right? Jesus was telling the truth about everything, and the resurrection confirms that. Fourthly, it means death is not the end. There is still more to come. There will be a physical, bodily resurrection. And if Jesus is right and what he says is true and you place your faith in him, that means you are no longer dead in your sins. It means that there is a kingdom coming, that Christ is the king. And even if we die before he comes back, he will resurrect us into the kingdom. Now, some of you are there, maybe you're visiting, maybe you haven't thought about this too much and you're skeptical and you're thinking, yeah, but is there any more proof than that? I... I'm just, I'm not so sure. How can we be sure? Let me give you a couple of reasons why I think the, the resurrection is true. Okay, five reasons. Uh, spells out the acronym HEART. That doesn't mean anything. It's just a way for you to remember them. The first thing is that Jesus had an honorable burial. Okay, he had an honorable burial. He was, he was a, a man who died. History is clear on that, not just from the biblical text, but from other historians. Josephus, the Jewish historian, talks about Jesus and uh, that he died. He was a real man that lived and that he died. And, uh, you know, so we have that um, as well. We also have... Ta- um, uh, what's his name? Tacitus. Sorry, Tacitus, the Roman historian. He writes about a man who was called Christ, and this is where the Christians get their name from, and he was executed under Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius. This lines up perfectly with what the Gospels say, the time frame and what happened and who did it, okay? And so we have more sources than just the text to say that Jesus was a real man and that he died, okay? There is no historian who's worth their socks that debates this that Jesus was a real man and that he died, okay? And then we have that Jesus was put into a known tomb. Je- uh, Joseph of Arimathea donated his own tomb, and it was guarded by soldiers. This was a known place. When the women are going to the tomb, they know where they're going. They know how to get there because Jesus was given an honorable burial, okay? That is, that is clear. Then E is that there's an empty tomb. Something happened to the body. Okay, when they turn up, there's no body there. And uh, there's a variety of of theories that people throw out there for this, but none of them stack up. 
Some say Jesus never died, that he was only just very close to death, but he would then have to recover within a couple of nights and uh, be strong enough to roll a stone away and then overpower Roman guards after being nailed to a cross a couple of days earlier. Some say Jesus, uh, the disciples stole the body. They had no concept of this idea that the Messiah would die and be resurrected before the kingdom. That was not in Jewish thinking. Now, there was a, a resurrection to come in the end of days, but, but two or three days after, that wasn't part of Jewish tradition. And so they have no reason to steal a body. Maybe the Romans just disposed of it. But that's not recorded anywhere. And so you have to answer the question, why is the tomb empty? The tomb was empty and we have to figure out why, what happened to the body. A, is that there's appearances to many. Tom read this earlier. There's at least five times that Jesus appears to Peter then we have the disciples, and then we have 500 people, James and Paul. And then Paul writes that uh, in 1 Corinthians, that if, if when, when Jesus appeared to all these people, if you don't believe me, go and ask them. There's still people alive who attest to this. Ah, is the rise of Christianity. Christianity came out of Judaism where there was no concept of resurrection before the end of days. So something significant happened that split Christianity off from Judaism. And Christianity has a story of people who are willing to go to their death rather than denounce Jesus' resurrection. Something significant took place enough that people were willing to lay their life down for it. And T is the transfer of worship. The early church met on Sundays to worship. Sunday became the significant day of the week, even though for Jews it used to be Saturday, which was their Sabbath. But Sunday was chosen as a special day, a significant day that they would worship. And they would worship a man named Jesus because he came back to life on that day. And so you look at those things and you might think, well, Individually, that doesn't add up to much or might not mean that much. But when you put them all together, you have to answer the question, what happened to Jesus? What happened to the body? How did Christianity come about? There is a weight of evidence that the resurrection is true. And if you'd like to talk to me more about that, I'd love to have that discussion further. And we can talk about that more after. But we do, we read of Jesus' followers who, who they go to death with confidence and assurance because they believe that's just going to bring them into the presence of the one who can physically resurrect them into the kingdom. See, see Paul in Philippians 1, 19 to 26, where he is hard-pressed whether he wants to stay or go because he is ready to to. Be in Jesus' presence. If you've placed your faith in Christ, you are no longer in Adam. You are in Christ. And that means you are destined for Christ's life. What happened to Christ is what will happen to us. See, look at the second part of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. We, we read the first part of it earlier 
where he said, for as in Adam all die. The second part says, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. All who are in Christ shall be made alive. Where else can you get that from? Where else can you have a, prob- a, a promise, not just of an afterlife, but a resurrected body into a kingdom here on earth? Do you know anyone else who can not just promise that, but prove it? See, no one made the claims of Jesus, and no one made uh, the proof that Jesus did. There's other religions around. Let's just take the first three, the most popular three in the world. Islam, at the end of your life, it's taught that you will pass over hell on a bridge finer than a hair and sharper than a sword. And if your obedience to Allah falls short and he chooses that you should fall, then so be it. In Hinduism, at the end of your life, you're reborn as a higher or lower member of class of human or animal, depending on your every thought, word, and deed. In Buddhism, if you follow the Eightfold Path, which includes things like right speech, right livelihood, right concentration, if you do enough of that, you can become enlightened and escape the rebirth cycle and enter into nirvana. Great promises, right? But is there any evidence for these things ever occurring? You see, all religions will take you to the grave. Only Jesus Christ will take you through the grave. The good news for everyone here today is that Jesus conquered death. And one day, death itself will die. Is there anyone that's ever come up with a solution for death? Anyone who has the power to do anything about it? There's one man who conquered it. And as we get to the end of the story in Revelation, we read that death dies. The death that we're surrounded by, that we see regularly, that we experience that we hate, Jesus says, I can do something about that. No one else can do that. No one else has made that claim. No one else has proven that they can do it. How about the first words Jesus says to the women by the tomb? Here we are, we're uh, just outside the tomb, and Jesus has literally defeated death. The mission of the Son of God has been complete. Sin and death have been defeated. There's an angel sitting on the stone. The women are terrified and they meet Jesus. And what does he say? Greetings. Hello. That's weird, right? You would kind of expect him to say something really profound. Something like, I have put all the enemies under my footstool or... The, the mission of God that I came to accomplish has been completed or, or bow down and worship me for I am worthy. Something like that, right? But it's, no, it's just, hello, greetings, how are you? That's weird. But what we have to see is that this word that is used for a greeting is also sometimes translated as rejoice. 
It's got an understanding that there's a, there's a joy behind it. It's a joyful greeting to a friend. Jesus is happy to see his friends again. I'm not into uh, four-wheel driving too much. But I like it, and I've done it a few times. I'd like to get into it more. If anyone wants to donate a four-wheel drive, they're ridiculously expensive right now. And uh, I've been to Fraser Island, and I've done a couple of inland tracks. And one of the coolest things about four-wheel driving is you do the water crossing. You know, you go across water, and you're driving this car through rivers and, you know, deep into mud and things like that. And, you know, there's this part where you kind of get to the middle of the water, and you're like, oh, that's actually deeper than I thought it was, and it's kind of coming up onto the car, and you almost feel like, you know, are we going to make it across? And normally you do. And um, there's some good Facebook pages of people who don't, um, where you can see those videos. Uh, but we don't have that, you know, too many hardcore four-wheel drive tracks around here. But if you go up, up north of Queensland, there's some really, really hard four-wheel drive tracks and uh, they're quite isolated as well. And so you, you can drive for, you know, long periods of time without seeing another car. And um, when you come to these four-wheel drive tracks and crossings, and it dips down and you're going across water, and sometimes these water crossings are long and they're, 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 they're ages away. You know, they're not just little rivers that you're going through. You're going, you're going across large bodies of water and you get there and you wonder, are we going to be able to make it across this thing, you know, like the hubs are locked in and we're in low gear and all those things. But there's a party that's just like, I don't know about this, you know, like that slot. And I don't know how deep that water is. And I really don't know if a car will get across to the other side. And so what do you do when that happens? You look for some assurance. And where do you look for assurance? You look to the other side and you see if there's any fresh tracks over there. Because if there's fresh tracks on the other side, you know that someone has gone to the other side. Someone has got across. And you know that as long as you've got the vehicle, you'll be able to get across too. Friends, Jesus Christ went through death. And he came out the other side. His resurrection are the tire marks to prove to us that we can get across in him. We're not going to make it on our own. We're driving a, a two-wheel drive Corolla. But in him, we've got a four-wheel drive, the hubs are locked, the gear is low. And he'll take us across. Death is not the end. Christ is our hope. One day he will put an end to death. But until that time, you can be sure that when death comes, you have a Savior who crossed over death. And he'll take us to the other side when it's our time. You can look at death with confidence, knowing on the other side you'll see the Savior and he'll greet you with joy. And whatever may happen to you in this life, in this body, whenever it's your time, you can know 
Jesus will resurrect you physically into the kingdom. Do you know what that brings? Peace. A gentle, steady peace. Maybe you've always been scared of death. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And death has always worried you. It's always been something you're not sure about. And today you can place your faith in Him. You can take care of that. And you can know that there's a resurrected Savior who is the Prince of Peace. And when it comes time for you and then God says your time is up, I want you to remember April 17, 2022, that Easter Sunday message, you got a Savior who went through death, came out the other side, and He's going to carry you through. Our Heavenly Father, we have sinned and fallen short in so many ways in our life, just like Adam and Eve did back in the garden, and death came, and you did not leave us there dying. You sent your Son, and He died on a cross, but He did not stay dead. He was resurrected. God, help us to believe that. Help us if our hearts aren't uh, open to that. I pray your Holy Spirit would just bring the truth to our hearts. I pray that each person here would be comforted and know the peace that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That one day when, when we are uh, on our deathbeds or it's time for us to go, God, that we would remember that Jesus conquered death. I pray that today that Easter would be super special, that we'd remember it and see it in a brand new way because we see Jesus in a way that we haven't seen him. Help us to understand his glory and his majesty and his beauty and his victory over the enemy. It's in his name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray these things. Amen.